On this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show, we're talking late summer and early fall rides right here in the Pacific Northwest. Dirt bike sales are up, and I mean way up, and Royal Enfield is the global leader in... We'll tell you all that and so much more on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible by... Skagit Power Sports. Check out the North Sound's largest selection of bikes from names like Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, and Suzuki. Located just off I-5 in Burlington, Skagit Power Sports also features a large selection of riding gear, apparel, and an experienced staff to help you along the way. Visit Skagit Power Sports today. Hey, this is Justin in Lower Queen Anne, and one of my absolute favorite rides to do is to wake up in Jacksonville, Florida, and ride all the way back to Seattle, Washington in 11 days. This is Rob from Motofic Group. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show. A candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Rider Show. The show where we'd like to remind you as we scoot, scoot, scoot our way towards fall that 49cc is all you need. That's right, baby. We we welcome a little bit more. Uh, Joining me, of course, publisher, founder, occasional seller of classic motorcycles, Mr. Tom Marin. (laughs) And on my way to the glue factory, the horse that brings us all together, self-appointed editor-at-large, Mr. Derek Roberts. Tom, I can't help but feel... Like, I should be somewhere other than here today and into the weekend as we record. No, I should be somewhere else. We should be in Hood River right now. That's right, in the, uh, the sales tax haven known as, known as Oregon, just across the Columbia River Gorge. Uh, obviously, kind of a different set of circumstances this year for the first year in, what was this going to be, 18 in a row? Uh, this would be the 18th year. Yeah, so just like that, uh, you know, we can't even make it to uh, legal gambling age without viruses getting involved. But what are what are kind of your thoughts? Because obviously, you know, I've been going down with you to, I think, five or six years running. So this is strange for me. But for you, this is, I mean, this is literally almost two decades. Yeah, I'm having withdrawals. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's five o'clock right now when we're recording the show on a Wednesday, so we should be uh, getting the dinner ready right now for people. Yeah, Not the burger feed because that'd be that'd be Thursday night. But that's right. We should be, uh, but we should be prepping for that too, of course. But uh, yeah, strange times this year, and I know there were uh, a lot of very supportive uh, folks out there, disappointed people, but supportive, and we're hoping that next year is going to give us the opportunity to be. Bigger and better than ever, I think. I've heard rumors there are some people down in the gorge having their own little rally right now. Well, that would be hard to fault anybody for wanting to ride through the Columbia River Gorge this time of year. And I certainly, for one, I'm going to try and I think think maybe make a trip down in that general vicinity this month here in the uh, as we record the September show. What about you? Are you thinking uh, anything, any sort of nostalgia rides? In honor of the gorge? Well, for anybody who's down there right now, the weather is perfect. 
house. I mean, it couldn't be better. And there's no fires right in the vicinity. Um, you know, I thought about going down and just getting a ride down in there, but it's just not working out time-wise for me. Um, but Connie and I are going to do a little trip later in September, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll. Uh, no, we're going in, in October. Um, I don't know. Uh, who knows? I, you never know what's going to pop up, right? I mean, September's a long month, and you may just, like like you were saying, as we record, we're having just incredible weather. So if we get another stretch like this, I mean, mid-70s all throughout sort of the western part of the Pacific Northwest, if we you get another stretch like this, who knows? Your mind starts to wander pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I did, I did do some pre-riding on the uh, – uh, road trip tour. Oh yeah, head yeah. through the the Cascades here in Washington. Yeah, and so I kind of have to morph it around a little bit because a lot of the places that we were going to stop at are not open. Uh, sure. Some of the state parks and that sort of thing, and they're not open. So I'm going to kind of revamp some of the verbiage and uh, change up some of the coffee stops. But I tell you what, boy, did I find the best cinnamon roll ever. And it was in Twisp. That is uh, quite the claim to fame. Now, is that something that you can announce to us here on the Sound Rider Show, or do we have to join the road trip to, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to experience that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's called Cinnamon Twisp, and it's right in the little rodeo town of Twisp. Yeah, down on the wood plank sidewalks there. But I got, I got to tell you, it's probably been two or three years since I've been out to Twisp. I guess is this fairly new because I don't, I don't recall seeing that in the, in the fairly small downtown area there. I don't actually know how old it is. It was uh, a guy at the hotel where I stayed in Wenatchee. He says, well, "Where are you going today?" And I said, "I want to go up to um, Omac and into Twisp and over to Winthrop." And he goes, "Oh, my wife loves the cinnamon rolls at the Cinnamon Twisp." I'm like, okay, well, I better check that out. And well, I'll, how was that for a, a a bonus tip and trick right out the gates here on this uh, September episode? I don't know if you'll be able to compete with that at the end of the show. A good cinnamon roll is is worth riding <laughs> for on its on its own. That's worth riding for in my book, anyway. I'm putting that one on Cafe to Cafe next year for sure. Well, of course, we look forward to that as well. But what about uh, Cafe to Cafe this year, 2020? So Cafe to Cafe, people were out riding. We're getting the pictures in. And uh, we still even have people signing up. And, and, you know, it's a month to go. So uh, obviously there are a lot of people who sign up for Cafe to Cafe who just want the list of the cafes. They don't really want to go hit them all. But – well, you know, so, so it, the way the weather is right now, if we don't have a lot of hot spells, it's going to be some really great riding in September. Man. Absolutely. I mean, perfect. Just absolutely perfect riding. And then if who, who knows, maybe we'll see another stimulus check here. You can run a little late cafe to cafe bonus where you can get a discount on uh, late registrations to go out there and ride it. Because if you've got free time and a little extra money in your pocket, like you were saying, the weather – Man, you gotta find a reason to ride. You know, you know what I use those stimulus checks for? Uh, rent and food. I don't know <laughs> to pay my quarterly uh, U.S. taxes. That's what I use uh, those stimulus checks go. for. It's like it's yeah. like why even send me one? I just send it right back to you, man. Just keep it and save the postage, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. After all, you ain't got no post office left, so go ahead and keep the check. You know. 
Oh, man, that is crazy. But it's awesome to see, you know, when the pictures do start to come in from cafe to cafe, it's always fun to see folks out and having fun riding throughout the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it really is a cool a cool event, and it's well ahead of the COVID trend here. It's always been ride together apart, so to speak. You go at your own pace, you enjoy yourself, and really the only thing that changes for cafe to cafe this year is you might have some restricted hours on the restaurants, and you have to bring a neck gaiter or a mask. Yeah, you got to wear a mask when you're ordering. Like when I was at the um, the, the Cinnamon Twisp Cafe, uh, I had lunch and uh, ordered up my food with my mask on and all that. And they made me a uh, iced coffee and a, a lovely ham and cheese sandwich. And then I ended that all out with the cinnamon roll. Yum. You know what I would really like is for when I go in there for lunch, if I can take uh, an extra net gator and say, hey, just uh, go ahead, do me a favor, set that in the cinnamon roll oven for a few minutes and let the uh, infuse that essence so when oh, yeah. i'm riding for the rest of the day there i can just smell some uh, homemade baked cinnamon <laughs> buns i'd be all right with that that's let's another ten dollars on the tip for me hey now you got another tip and trick going check yeah, this out right. check <laughs> it. no 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 that, that was yours now i got one too so if yeah, you grow that- roses what you do is you clip your roses and you put them in your little vase in the house, and you put them. You put the face mask you use right underneath the rose, and then it deposits the essence of that rose, so you get a rose-smelling face mask. I got to tell you, that is uh, that's some fancy mask work right there, and still only in the opening segment, man. What other motorcycle podcast would you ever touch from cinnamon rolls to roses within the first five minutes here? I don't think there's another one. I think people are already reaching for pens and papers to make uh, notes on the stuff we're talking about. Which, uh, which only makes sense. We wouldn't expect anything less from the audience on uh, the Sound Rider show here. But <laughs> let's deviate uh, away from masks and let's talk about some of the local motorcycle shops. We've been talking about how business has been quite good for a lot of, of them here, but you were out kind of in the field visiting with some throughout Washington. Yeah, so I I did make my way over to the new BMW Motorcycles of Seattle on Lake City Way, and I had a little mask-to-mask meeting with Roman there. Great. And the shop looks nice, and and, uh, still a few things are going to be doing there, but they're basically, they're open for business, and uh, and their numbers are good. And so uh, definitely, if you got a Beamer, well, you know somebody with a Beamer, pass it on that that store is open. Yeah, um, I was ex- excited to see them finally open and excited to see Ramon back uh, in charge in the GM role there, too. A great guy, obviously very experienced with BMW and always creates a welcoming atmosphere. So it's nice to have those guys back up and running. I think officially he's the sales manager. Okay. And there is a guy who's the GM, but I think that guy is the GM over the, the – uh, Mini Cooper place. Oh, that makes door. sense. Yeah. So of course, kinda shuffling in between. Right. So that's the ownership that uh, decided to take on the BMW franchise. Also owns the uh, the uh, Mini Cooper dealership next door. As I apologize for any sirens in the background that you may pick up there. I hear them. Man, tell you that part of your town you live in, boy. Yes, and of course we've mentioned it on the last few episodes here, but I am uh, just pretty much in downtown Seattle, so things are known to happen from time to time. Did you get out and do your hour of demonstrating today? 
You know, my demonstration is of the audio variety here on the Sound Rider Show. There you go. Where I demonstrate <laughs> uh, on behalf of all riders throughout the Pacific Northwest and around the world. No. <laughs> you are such an ambassador. You know, I do what I can. But you were also, it sounds like, out uh, obviously up in Twist, but uh, in the Wenatchee area, too. It sounds like you stayed there and checked in with our friends over at Wenatchee Power Sports. I did, and I was really excited. Um, You know, I knew that this guy, Brandon Montgomery, had bought Wenatchee Power Sports back in the fall, and I had been in touch with him a little bit back and forth, and then we had the whole pandemic thing. And uh, so I went out to do the pre-ride, and I thought, hey, as long as I'm here, i got to pop in and see this guy. And, you know, I love an owner who is super spunky, who's just yeah. full of energy. And, and I mean, and this guy, uh, he can't stop gyrating, literally. When you're sitting with him, he's just, like, shaking. And uh, it's so great to – to come across an owner like that who's super fired up, super energetic. And I'm going to guess when Brandon is up in his 60s, like Bill Cameron up at, at uh, Skagit Power Sports, that guy is always fired up. And I think Brandon is going to stay fired up for as long as he owns a shop. Well, that is very exciting to hear, particularly for you know guys like you and us who are you know sort of adventure oriented because Wenatchee Power Sports is really centrally located to a lot of great dual sport riding and it's important to have a you know an active shop there that can that can take care of you and help you out when you get into a get into a jam. Yeah, that's true like uh you know there are people you don't you don't hear a lot about people riding their motorcycles over Calacum Pass cuz it, it wasn't on the WABDR and I don't think I have it in my uh it's not in my dual sport rides through Western Washington book. But Calacum Pass is kind of a cool thing to do once in your life. See, here's another tip. Start writing it down. Um, you, you, you go out of Ellensburg and you go up over the ridge and then you drop into Wenatchee. And uh, the road is not, shall we say, favorable. Sure. Uh, so you should plan on tightening up your bolts on the bike. Okay. Somewhere about midway, uh, when you hit the top of the ridge, it's a good idea to pull the bike over and go through the bike and see what's see what's still tight and what's not. But uh, yeah, so if you if you go in, if you're gonna make your way over to, to uh, Wenatchee Power Sports or over to uh, uh, shall we say over the the Calacum Pass, then you might need to go and get your stuff tightened up at Wenatchee Power Sports when you get there. Yeah, absolutely. And this really actually, you know, I'm looking at the map here as we speak, and this looks like it goes through a pretty great stretch of country, too. I mean, you can, if you're heading out here from the Seattle area, you can stop in Cleelum and you can have a nice little breakfast and then work your way up towards Wenatchee. That looks like a, looks like a nice couple of days here. You do some camping out in the back country. I think that's, that's definitely one to write down. And geologically speaking, I believe you're up on top of an alluvial fan when you're up on the ridge. Well, look at that, man. I, I don't even know how to respond to that. An alluvial fan. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that. Uh, oh, look it up. The... It's yeah, a geological well... <laughs> thing. We well, have them down am... in the gorge. Hey, man, I am a, I'm an alluvial fan of any great dual sport ride. Let's just say that. And this looks like a... <laughs> This looks like a pretty darn good one here. So that's uh, that's definitely worth writing down. And like you said, get out there if you're going up to Wenatchee and check in with the new owner, Brandon, over at Wenatchee Power Sports because 
an enthusiastic owner deserves an enthusiastic uh, customer base. Now, so I got another tip for you all. Man, let's hear it. Yeah, when, I'm all ears. When he um, came in as the new owner, uh, Yamaha wanted him to have one of every model. Okay. And so upstairs at the shop is a whole bunch of 2020s street bikes. And, you know, Wenatchee isn't really a, a big street bike mecca. It's like a dirt bike mecca. Yeah, for sure. So if you're looking for a smoking deal on a 2020 Yamaha street bike, you need to get on the Wenatchee Power Sports website and check that out because the I know the prices are really good because these are becoming hot deal bikes now. So they can drop the price a little bit. You get a smoking deal. Yeah, and I agree with that. that. That's a really hot tip, actually, because as we know, up and down the I-5 corridor here, all throughout Oregon and Washington, hot deal bikes, 2020s, are very difficult to find, particularly for Yamaha. Exactly. And this could be an awesome place to, and you know, not to mention giving you a great excuse to, to ride back from Wenatchee, spend a few days out in the, uh, the center of the state there, right? Yeah. So speaking of dirt bikes, you got some information on dirt bikes. Yeah, so I, I saw this come across the wire probably a couple of weeks ago, but the Motorcycle Industry Council had reported that dirt bike sales were up, I think officially, 53% from the same reporting time as last year, which did not shock me in the sense that I've been out and I've been talking to the shops throughout here in the, throughout the Pacific Northwest, and they've been telling me that sales are great. But 53% uptick is when you look at the dollars and cents, that's incredible. I mean, that's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of got, and it got me thinking a little bit about, you know, what's the, what's the future going to look like for the sport, particularly, you know, a lot of these are kids bikes. How are we going to keep kids involved? And are we going to see the continued sort of growth of the dual sport segment on the backs of maybe youngsters who are going to be riding dirt bikes now, but transitioning over the next 20, uh, 10 or 20 years, into a more dual sport camping outdoor role. What do you think? Well, I, you know, here's an interesting analogy. Um, it's funny what type of things drive the market. So if we look back at 1970, it was the uh, on any Sunday that drove the market. And sure. here we are 50 years later and a pandemic drove the market. Isn't that wild? That is, that is, that's crazy. What do you think though that, uh, cause what about in the seventies? Uh, it's a little bit before my time, but are there maybe some parallels too, between like the oil crisis, right? The Iranian oil crisis and the increase in gas prices. And maybe we don't see increased gas prices right now, but maybe we see decreased wages and that kind of makes people conscious for a different type of more. I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't know if I consider motorcycles an affordable recreational outlet, but do you see any any parallels there in the, yeah, the there last, was, there last was, century? Sure, there was more than just on any Sunday. But that was a movie people like to go and watch over and over again. Well, still. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that was all lit by Honda with you meet the nicest people on a Honda. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When are we going to see another campaign like that, I wonder? Oh, everybody prays for it all the time. I know. <laughs> Particularly the <laughs> aforementioned dealers, right, would really love some uh, OEM marketing support that 
you know, was, uh, I think, big and bold. And uh, I don't know that we're going to see that in the next year or two here based on the, the surge in sales. Like Probably everyone's kind of sitting around feeling fatter and happier than they have in, at least in the last decade. And there have been many attempts to remake a feel-good version of On Any Sunday, and most of them just haven't lived up to the, to the you know, the... the, the bah. Yeah, well, the high standard. Yeah, the high standards. I mean, and and uh, entertainment, just the the total entertainment and the total feel good. To try to capture that again, you got to really kind of dial into the the psyche of it, and no one's done it. It's it's pretty amazing. You're right because it does. It's it's very unexpected in in kind of how overwhelming in a good way that that film is. Like you expect a, you expect it to be a motorcycle film, but you it kind of sweeps you off your feet a little bit, which is tough for any genre to, to do. But particularly, I think in a, in the motorsports world, that is a, a very tricky to do. So yeah, yeah. All right, listen, let's uh, let's take a little break. And one thing I'm noticing here as I'm looking at our hot sheet is that the uh, news bites and the calendar segments are starting to fill up again. Uh, in a way they haven't looked in like six months. So we got some news bites coming up on the next segment. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Valentine Motorworks, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com. This is Lisa, and I'm from Linwood, Washington. And one of my favorite rides in the Pacific Northwest is heading up over Washington Pass and down onto Winthrop. Hey guys, this is Dad Louie from Pacific Riding School from Surrey, British Columbia, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Our respective studios here on the Sound Riders. You're show. in the Zoom room, aren't you? Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, your Zoom attendee is waiting, and uh, I have been admitted. And uh, as Tom alluded to, as we before we took to the break here, news bites and calendar segments are filling up. So why don't we dive right into it and let's talk some news bites, Tom? All righty. So uh, what we know is uh, a lot of people like Enduro Cross when it comes through Everett, Washington here annually, yeah. and that ain't happening this year. Uh, but there will be two races in Idaho in November. And as far as I recall, uh, Idaho just got themselves off the COVID emergency thing. And, uh, and there's like no more face mask or any of that stuff in Idaho. Oh, really? They've, they've gone a full transition here. That, I hadn't heard that yet, but that's, that's exciting news. Yeah, I saw a headline on that. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to snap a shot of the graph on the, the cases and the deaths and see where that winds up in a month from now. But apparently they seem to think everything's just fine and dandy. So they've only had like 375 deaths from COVID-19 in Idaho. Okay. So if now you're you looking said- for something to do in November, you could go out and catch your your uh enduro cross in idaho yeah no i mean that's a great uh it's a great event and you know as long as they're going to be bringing two 
of these to Idaho. When can we start to talk about maybe getting IMS to Boise? How about that? Oh, yeah. That'd be a good one. Or AIM Expo, huh? <clears throat> yeah, something out, out this way that can, can service us here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, to not have an Enduro Cross now in Washington, that's like, what's going on out here? I feel like motorcycle sales, I mean, we're what, 10th in the nation as far as registrations? Why are we being looked over constantly? <laughs> you, you can't have these events in Washington right now. So. Yeah, I guess, but... We'll see. We'll see uh, when this all changes, but uh, I'm glad, uh, very happy for Idaho, and uh, if that is true, that they have turned the corner on the whole COVID thing, even better. So so more local news coming in from Ravenna neighborhood of Seattle, the Cafe Racer, the, the restaurant, bar, music venue that was played with a horrible mass shooting in there one day. Oh, wow. Um. They're actually closing down now, and what they're doing is the uh, the people who owned it are starting an internet radio station because they used to feature so many local artists in the venue. So uh, we wish them well on that. Yeah, well, that's kind of an exciting new chapter, though. I mean, that's I would never have guessed that, but like you said, we certainly wish them well. I'd, so are they going to be focusing on local music? I don't know how much you know, but... Yeah, they're going to focus on local. Great. That's cool. So, and you know, I people don't know this about me, but I'm a, a huge music fanatic. And I have looked into starting a music radio uh, an internet radio station. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do right. If I can't do it right, I don't want to do it. You know, we sure. we we do a good job on this show and that's why I do it month after month. But uh, the closest I can get to doing a really good radio station is I do a a playlist on Spotify every month called BVFM Sunday. And that's a four-hour show, and I change it every month. It's a lot of work just to do a four-hour show, just to put it together. Because you have to go and source out all the music and then line it all up and get it playing in the right mode you want it to go in. But, uh, man, to do a full-time internet radio station, that's, that's a lot of work if you're going to do it right. Yeah, I, uh, I can only imagine what that would look like. But uh, very exciting to see, like I said, that they're doing that and kind of, speaking of uh, audio in the background here, some, my local radio station, they, the Siren they, FM. They can't seem to locate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's uh, that's pretty awesome to see that they're going to do that. You know, um, they can take uh, our enduro cross, but they can't take our local music scenes. So <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. So you were sniffing around, and you know now that uh, Seattle Used Bikes has an addition, an additional service. Yeah, that's right. So right down here on Aurora Avenue, just north of downtown Seattle, um, and this has always been in the works when Seattle Used Bikes made their move. Um, But they're open for storage now. So as we get a little bit closer to fall and winter, they have some storage spaces open. Also doing service there and a ton of consignment bikes. So buy, sell, or trade. Uh, Seattle used bikes, if you're in the Seattle area, is a a good place to do that. All righty. And then you were going to make a mention about fires in Washington, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, kind of, you know, all over the western half of the United States right now. But in particular, I know that uh, in when, I guess, when were you up in the Wenatchee area? Had that been 
uh, a couple of weeks or were you doing that earlier in August? Because I had heard about a pretty big fire just kind of outside, I guess, between a little northeast. Yeah, well, to the to, so to the west of Oroville and Tenasket, kind of in that pocket up there, the Palmer fires. Have you uh, heard about these? Okay, I didn't go that far up. Okay, I only went up to so, Omac. Okay, okay, yeah. So I know there are a few, you know, fires burning out there. So just if you're going to be out in the backcountry in particular, just be aware of that. Not only when you're camping and you're putting your fires out, if there are no fire bans in that area. But also just that it may impact your travel, and it's just it's that time of year, and we kind of had, you know, we kind of had a, a dry couple of months, so things could could change drastically there. And if you're going to go do something like the WABDR or be riding in any of those areas, you know, check the internet first. There's the uh, I think it's called the NCIS um, fire. You could just Google uh, yeah Pacific Northwest fire map. Yeah, fire maps should take you there. there find out where they are, there. find out what's going on, make sure that roads are not closed down. Uh, you know, we've we've done the, the Sasquatch tours and the road trip tours for a decade now. And there have been times when I have had to rewrite a route in the morning because all of a sudden they shut a road down and we had to move everybody around it. And I, I've actually sat there, rewritten the route, put it in the GPS software, and then reloaded that day route to everybody's GPS. So you just got to be flexible at this time of year and know that stuff may not go your way. That's absolutely right. That's part of the adventure, as they say. But, you know, forest fires are always something that you should take seriously if you're traveling through or around there. Because, like you said, having to reroute overnight is just a small indicator of how serious and how fast moving sometimes these can be. So keep uh, your head on a swivel. Yeah, hopefully you don't have to reroute out of your hotel room in the middle of the night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or your, yeah, or your tent. Yeah, don't put off that uh, repair, right? If you're, in, if you're in forest fire country and you go to the hotel for the night and you say, ah, you know, I got to... I'll fix that flat plugs. tire in the yeah. morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fire marshal knocks on your door and says, all right, get out, buddy. I'll replace that broken sprocket in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully none of our listeners find themselves in that predicament. So the uh, toy run in Olympia, that's a really popular event. And they're, it looks to me like they have sort of an option A, option B possibly coming up. Yeah, you know, so from what I can understand at this point is that they are certainly going to continue to do the fundraising effort regardless of COVID conditions. Now, everybody is hopeful that, you know, the situation will will turn for the better and they'll be able to conduct this event as they have for, I think, I think this is scheduled to be the 41st or 42nd year. But I just wanted to kind of remind people here on the Sound Rider Show, because I know we have a lot of very charitable listeners and folks who also like to participate in this as sort of a end-of-year get-out, that, you know, to keep your eye on it. And even if you can't get down there and ride, they are going to have some opportunities to, you know, donate toys or cash or whatever it may be. So, um, you know, December, we all hate to think about that here in early September, but it will be here, and they've done such a great job in the past we want to make sure they continue to do that in the future. Yeah, and if they don't have it, it's okay. And then if they have a way they can raise money online or whatever, go ahead and participate in that. That's a smart way to go because 
Now we're moving into our national news segment. Uh, things didn't go so well in there in Sturgis. Um, so far, they've already got 100 COVID cases across eight states. And that's just within like eight or 10 days after the rally ended. So there's going to be more that are going to surface up here. And, uh, you know, there have been talk about this whole situation being like a super spreader situation. It's very possible it could go that way. So when we don't have events here because they're canceled, I, I'm not I'm not complaining, you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out officially when it's all said and done. And I think we may have touched on it a time or two in the last month or uh, the show before that. But tough situation for Sturgis in general. There was really – I didn't see personally any way how they could have feasibly shut that down. And now we just wait, whereas we record this in late August here. It's only been, I guess, officially, what, a week and a half, something like that? Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, fingers crossed we want everybody to stay healthy, and we want, uh, we want Washington and the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Idaho in particular, to stay healthy. So let's, let's hope that happens. BC. We want BC to stay and healthy, BC. too. Well, but there's no border crossing, so that's why I left them out. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So I, I didn't think there's a lot of people who were coming down from Canada for, uh, for Sturgis this year. Yeah. So uh, it looks like um, you better get your DR350 ready to sell. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, because uh, Royal Enfield is updating the Himalayan for 2021. Oh, whew, I'm relieved. I thought for a second there you were going to say you needed money for a kidney. Uh, I thought I could get that for free. <laughs> no? Well, for what I'll get for the DR350, there ain't much difference, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, so what is this? This actually, uh, this is the first that I've heard of it. I'm a big fan of the Himalayan. But what kind of updates are they making? Anything significant, or are we talking new paint and graphics? Uh, no, they're going to have a uh, switch on board. By the way, I have to—I I, kind of had to laugh because I got the press release first, right? And 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 in the press release, in the first paragraph, they touted that Royal Enfield is now the global leader in middleweight dual sport motorcycles. I'm okay. like, really? Because I, I, I kind of thought BMW was maybe selling a few more of those, but who knows? Anyways, uh, they've added a switch to turn the ABS off. Oh, okay. Imagine well, that. I'm, yeah. That's, that's, been, uh, that's been available on some other motorcycles for a while now, but uh, well, that's, they made this. Like a, go ahead. I was going to say, that seems like a, a good update, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Probably should have been in the initial one, huh? Yeah, I'm surprised that the initial one had ABS, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, they made a shorter kickstand. I'm not sure why, but maybe they had trouble with the bike falling over. Wasn't well, I think that enough. bikes look better in pictures when they stand up a little straighter. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. adding a uh, hazard switch so you can have hazards lights now. Okay, so I mean, all right. These are the the ABS switch is is the most significant thing here. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around middleweight uh, global leader in middleweight dual sport. Yeah. What uh, what constitutes middleweight? 
I guess anything between six fifty and three fifty. Is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then, uh, boy, as if that wasn't some exciting news, now they're going to enter the electric motorcycle market too. Now this is very interesting. Uh, to me, and again, this is new, but what are the specs on their supposed electric bike, or are they just making the announcement that they are now the global leader in uh, <laughs> yeah. yet assigned weight electric motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. And, and hey, why not? Come on, Ural, get off it, man. Get, yeah. get your electric Urals out there, will you, please? But, you know, yeah. wait till the third version, just like like if you were getting a Microsoft product. Wait till the third version, because that's when they add the Switch for the ABS and all that stuff. Yeah, so. you just pay on subscription then, too. <laughs> So, well, but what uh, did they say? What what's the was this part of the press release or a separate press release? Or separate is this press one release. Okay, okay. And, and it wasn't what I read wasn't uh, specific in terms of specs. Just that so they've they been working on it, announcing that they're getting into that field there. So, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, hey, the truth is is that the Royal Enfields um, they have come a long way in the last decade, and uh, as a fan of value-priced motorcycles that are styled well. Uh, I do like the Royal Enfield brand, so I, I'm glad to see that they are having success, and I know that you know, the Himalayan has it's actually, it's been a great gateway motorcycle for a lot of people who are able to get into a brand new dual sport motorcycle for less than $5,000, so I hope that they can continue on this path and they can, they can continue to, to develop and to, to really make some impact here in North America, but uh, I still, I just I'm trying to wrap my head around global leader. <laughs> so the 2020 model was 47.99 list, right? Uh, but for all those upgrades, like the ABS switch and the hazard light and the shorter kickstand, you're going to pay for it, buddy. You're going to pay for it. Uh, it's going to cost you 49. Oh, look out, man! I don't know. Well, hopefully, they have zero percent financing when they bring that out. Somebody will give you 0% financing. <laughs> Somebody's going to do it. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Well, what, I guess, uh, what else do we have on here? We got, I think, one more, right? One more national news item. Uh, the AIM Expo, which uh, for the last, I don't know, five, six years has been running, uh, both as a trade event and a consumer event, will move to Columbus, Ohio, it will happen January 21st to the 23rd, and it will be trade only, not a consumer show. Well, now, that's interesting. Now, I know you're from the Midwest, and yes. you know what it's like to get on an airplane and cross your fingers that you would get to your destination in the Midwest within a day, maybe two, in the winter. Well, there there is some potential for for some snow and for some ice there, certainly. But when they say trade only, I mean, are they, are they making this a giant swap meet? No, no, it's, uh, it's uh, industry only. Oh, okay, So it's going to be media trade. and industry trade only. Okay, yeah. so they're not going to be selling tickets to the consumers. Uh, no, right. Okay. That's, what, okay. that's how it's going to be. It's not going to be a consumer show. And this is just a this is a COVID precaution, I'm guessing. I guess so. Okay. 
So they just want the media. But like, why to, would you, you know, why would you be in any better shape because you're a member of the trade? <laughs> well, because I am a, uh, I'm a global leader of middleweight <laughs> motorcycle reporting. Damn, that's why. <laughs> Okay, hey, let's uh, take a little break, and then we got a, a pretty full calendar coming up. Support for SoundWriter and The SoundWriter Show is made possible by... The MotoFit Group, providing track days in both Oregon and Washington. The MotoFit Group helps riders experience the next level of their riding abilities and takes them to the zone where the bike and rider become one. Find out more or sign up for a track day today at themotofitgroup.com. Hey, this is Greg from Olympia, and one of my favorite rides in the Pacific Northwest is the Olympic Loop. It's fantastic. Hi, this is Manny from Manny's Lanchera, located near the awesome Rowena Curves in the beautiful Moisture, Oregon, and you are listening to the Sound Rider Show. Welcome back to the Sound Rider Show. And for the first time in what must be five months, I guess, five episodes for us, I, we've got a legitimate calendar. So yeah, we, we have more than three events to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so we're very excited to, <laughs> to kind of get into that and share some of these things that are happening throughout the Pacific Northwest, uh, starting with, I guess, the, what seems like the most logical, and that's track days. A lot of track days happening. Uh, OPRT, and you can get to all of these on our calendar, is going to have track days in September on the 1st, the 12th, the 19th, and the 20th. So you'll be able to go out and ride your motorcycle around in circles all day, uh, as long as you just social distance when you're off the bike. Uh, WIMRA will be running races on, well, actually... Only on the 4th. I have down here another date, but that's not going to happen. They're going to do another date in October. Okay. So well, that's good, though, that they're, they've are they got a couple of dates coming up. Yeah. Uh, Emerald City Harley-Davidson going to have a Veterans Food Drive poker run. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that's at the, uh, the what is it, the Woodenville Cut Shop is where is going to be the final destination, but they're going to be doing a poker run through some of their stores and locations and maybe a few other spots kind of throughout Western Washington here. So I know a lot of folks are looking for a reason to get out and ride. And just because it's a Harley Davidson dealership hosting it doesn't mean you have to ride a Harley. And, uh, the cut shop in Woodenville has some, some pretty darn good food and they're really motorcycle. I ask you, what is a cut shop? So where you going to get a haircut? Is it like a chop shop? Or well, so it sounds like it's, it's a, a restaurant. Yes, it is. It's a restaurant. And I think that uh, the cut shop, the name, has some throwback to a previous incarnation of the building here. But it's got a really cool vibe in there. It's a, it's a bar and restaurant. But they make just some really, really killer food. And uh, they got a nice big parking lot to uh, park your motorcycle in and that kind of stuff. And Woodenville is 
you know, it's a pretty nice place. It's a good, it's a good place to hang out for, for an afternoon. Yeah, that's wine country now, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely has. <laughs> uh, it has changed, certainly in the last couple of decades from what I can understand. But, you know, good excuse to get out and ride. And that's coming up here in this first weekend in September. So if you want to do so, you know, check in on their website and uh, their social media and get out there and, and join them. I remember when I first moved to Seattle, uh, I thought, well, I'm going to get on my bicycle right in uh, East Lake neighborhood, and I'll ride that Burke Gilman Trail all the way out to Woodenville, and I'll go and have lunch at the Red Hook Brewery in Woodenville. And I uh, got out there and realized, oh, my God, I just rode like 25 miles. Yeah. And I got to go back home now. And uh, my, my knee failed on the way back home. Well, this was must have been pre-Uber, right? You weren't calling some guy. In no, there was no Uber. Yeah, so you were either biking back or I used the right a town leg car. to pedal the bike home. Well, look at you, war stories here. That's a that's a long haul on one leg. Yeah, that's when I decided to go to get go get into motorcycles and knock all that bicycle stuff off. <laughs> yeah. man. who needs that? <laughs> Pedals are for uh, mopeds only. Hey, so uh, in uh, Tri-Cities, Richland, Washington, to be specific, we do have Supermoto racing happening September 5th, Cascadia Supermoto. So if you're out in the Tri-Cities and you're looking for a little something to uh, watch, you could or participate in if you have a Supermoto bike. Uh, that was would be one to look up. And all these events that are on our calendar, we have links to where you can get more information. Uh, looks like uh, Jesse's going to run a street strategies down at Pacific uh, Raceways. That's right, Pacific Raceways in Kent, and I think they are pretty close to sold out on this event. Or maybe uh, as we as we broadcast, they may have crossed the barrier into sold out, which is exciting because this is a really great course. And if you don't get the chance to take it here this year, it will be running again next year. But of course, Jesse. Uh, terrific instructor and this is really really a fun afternoon out on the track but talking specifically street riding skills so um check it on their website uh cascademotosafety.com and see if there's anything available still but yeah. a a fun a fun time down there and you know we don't have our jesse fix from the rally in the gorge this year so this is another way to get it maybe yeah that's true that's true um Road Trip 2020 is happening September 14th through the 19th. Five days through the North Cascades. Sort of the North Cascades loop, but not really because it's a Super 8. Uh, we do only have a couple of spots open on that as well because I'm not going to take 50 people on a, on a tour this year. But uh, we do have a couple spots open if anybody wants to sign up. We did have another guy sign up the other day, so that's good. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a go. That's happening. Well, that's exciting, and that's going to be a real beautiful one. And fingers crossed that this terrific weather just carries right on through. I'm hoping until the end of October. I know this is mid-September for the road trip, but I would really like to see 60s and 70s from now until about Halloween. I don't know about you. Wow, that would be an Indian summer. Yeah. Seriously. I don't, we deserve I don't know it. There's Come enough on. Indians to carry that through to that far. Wow. We deserve it. Come on. Let's uh let's let's end on a high note here in 2020. That's what I'm saying. If you're down in the uh southern Washington, northern Oregon area, Motofit Group will be doing their track day at ORP on the 21st of September. 
So you might be able to get in on that. Yeah, um, lots of lots of track days. You know, and I mentioned, yeah. you know, we mentioned OPRT obviously as the first item here. For anyone who's listening who has never done a track day and is considering doing it, um, I know in particular, I'm not as familiar with the MotoFit group, their offerings, but I know OPRT really takes the time to educate people on their first track day experience. So if you're looking for a reason to get out, don't be shy. Go ahead and contact somebody and see if you can, you know, face the, uh, face the fear and see just how fast your DR350 will go in a straight line. <laughs> and if you're new to track days, it's advisable to, to try a couple different people's track days. You know, yeah, we have sure. them Find all listed in the with. calendar. Uh, but yeah, Motofit Group does theirs. OPRT, uh, Alan Schwinn has his. So there's there's lots of options, but uh, it's really great to kind of jump around and see how everybody does their process a little differently. So. Yeah, that's right. It's important to uh, to try them out and to figure out somebody that you really have a good relationship with because I know a lot of people they do their first track day and they kind of become addicted to them. Mm-hmm. And then they never ride in the street ever again, right? <laughs> I hear that a lot too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is an annual event. Been going on about 10 years now. The Distinguished Gentleman's Ride is happening on September 27th. But, you know, we were talking about earlier about how the toy run was going to work one way or another. And definitely for the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, you will not be gathering with a bunch of people. Uh, it will be a solo thing. You can ride with a couple of your friends. Uh, I just want you to go online, register, and do your ride thing wherever you live. You don't need, you know, this is a worldwide. It's a global thing. They're a global right. leader in in uh, you know these rides. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> supporting men's health is where all the money goes. Yeah, to. you know they've raised like twenty five million dollars since they started this thing. I am looking at the website as we speak, and it is $25.35 million, uh, comprised of over 30,000 riders throughout the years. So that's pretty. Crazy. That's a pretty great thing. So, uh, so jump online, get registered, and go out and ride. And I'm sure you're going to see other people riding. Just, just don't get near them. But, uh, yeah, and I know for a fact that there are two rides, uh, sort of, you know, groups. There's a South Seattle and a North Seattle ride here in Seattle. There's also another one in Portland. And I think last year there was one out in Walla Walla and Spokane in Washington as well. So I'm not sure the full list, but you can find those on Seattle if you want to. As the official tagline says, ride solo together for the yeah. Distinguished Gentleman's Ride on the 27th. There you go. Um, and this one is canceled, but I wanted to mention it anyways because it's such a big event that the Oyster Run in Anacortes is canceled. So uh, I don't know how they're going to keep people out of there. It didn't cost <laughs> any money or anything anyways. But uh, Anacortes does not want to see a whole bunch of motorcycles come into town on the 27th. So I think Sunday is 27th, isn't it? September. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. So well, that was the, the last Sunday of September. Yes, yeah, that's the same day as the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride here would have been this year. Um, will be interesting to see what the future holds, not just this year, but beyond that for the Oyster Run. That's been such a fixture in the Pacific Northwest. I am interested to see how that will progress 
over the coming years. Yeah. So uh, let's take a little break here, and when we come back, we'll have more interesting content. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Rock Straps. Tired of bungee cords that fray and break? You need to up your game with the number one tie down among riders. Rock Straps make it easy to get the right fit, no matter how large or small the load you're securing. Order a pair today from the Soundwriter store at store.soundwriter.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and uh, you know, I mostly like riding the roads around Washington, all the logging roads and little two track dirt stuff, and just to explore and to be able to check out the world that we live in. Pretty much ride like GS kind of stuff, sidecars and 650s, so it's all a good time. Hi, this is Basilio Bagnato from Back Row Mapbooks in Coquitlam, BC, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. So a couple months ago, during this whole pandemic, I uh, got in front of the TV and Amazon said, hey, you got to watch this slow ride home. And I'm like, what's that? And then I read the little story about what it is. It's like eight guys on scooters going from Florida to Seattle. I'm like, what? And I watched it and it was cool. And so uh, we've invited Justin Barnes, who kind of headed this whole thing up, to join us on the show today. Say hi, Justin. Hey, thank you. That was the best intro I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything less here on the, uh, on the Sound Rider show. But yeah, thanks for joining us, man. This, uh, this film, Slow Ride Home, you know, we're all about fun on two wheels here at uh, Sound Rider. And this really captures it. Like Tom said, basically, eight guys decide, hey, let's take a couple of scooters from Jacksonville to Seattle and mix in a couple of good natured pranks along the way. Is that how you would describe it? What's, I mean, how would you, what's your 30 second pitch for our listeners? I think that's a perfect way to describe it. I would even, I would even back you up a little bit further and say one guy decided to ride a scooter from Florida to Seattle and convince seven of his idiot buddies to join him along the way. But just riding wasn't hard enough, so we figured to throw in some dumb challenges at the same time, a few cameras, a drone, and call it a day and see what we can get on footage. Well, it is a, uh, it's just a riot to watch. You know, it's, it comes in, I think, at about 90 minutes or so, and like the whole way you're just kind of – you feel like part of the gang, too. I think that's really one of the credits to the filmmaking. And tell me exactly – obviously, this was your idea to do it, but are you, are you credited with – a writer, director, I mean, editor, what was kind of your role in the, in the structural sort of end of it? Yeah, I, our, our scooter club prides itself on I mean, each member sort of being a jack of all trades, master of none. So I don't really know if there's a specific title outside of the only thing that I've, I would credit myself with was project manager, but it was a massive collaborative effort from the beginning. We we're, we're meeting up, uh, you know, once a week for several months before the trip. And we were coming up with everything as a group. And even the ride itself, everybody was pitching in in different ways. And then after the, after the ride was done, we have hundreds of hours of footage. And we're like, well, what, how do we parse through this? Where do we start? And a couple guys did spearhead that. That's the old friend guys. That's Jesse and Elliot who are in the movie. So the whole thing was very DIY. 
uh, we organized it ourselves. We did the ride ourselves. We filmed it and we edited it and we put it out. So I don't know if I can say that I have a title outside of Head Idiot, but we definitely were able to pull it off. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Head Idiot or Idiot in Chief, either way, uh, you <laughs> did pull that. it off. And it's it's definitely worth a watch. But let's talk a little bit about the idea the genesis of this, right? Because this is one of those things where I think anybody who gets on two wheels, they look at the map and they go, we need to do some sort of long trip. But to do this on a scooter is kind of like a different adventure. So, I mean, what was, was this just kind of one of those things where you said it out loud and then you thought, oh man, like maybe I can do this. Or how did you, how did you kind of arrive at the idea? Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. We <laughs> found the scooter cannonball run and we're like, well, we have to do that. Like it wasn't even a debate, right? It was right. like, I have to do this. And so I emotionally and mentally committed at that moment. Like I'm doing a cannonball. I don't care if I go alone. I don't care if I have to uh, hire somebody to follow me in a U-Haul. I'm doing it and floated it up to uh, the rest of the Soldiers of Destiny guys in our club. And there was a, probably about 15 of us. And there's a total of 30 members. So there's probably about 15 that are like, yep, I'm in. Sounds great. And then just by, you know how it goes, like oh, att- yeah. attrition, it comes down to a total of eight of us and only seven at the time were members. The One of the the hero of this whole project is Jesse, who ended up doing so much work for us. And he became a member as of January 2020. So it, it took a while for him to get there. So now we can finally say eight Soldiers of Destiny riders across the country. But the 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 answer is we heard about it. I committed to it, and then it, it was just a matter of who could I who could I bring on board. Yeah, well, it, it seems like he had a, a really good group too. But that is one thing that stood out, and from kind of day one too is anytime. And look, we've all ridden in in groups as motorcycle riders or scooter riders, and anytime you have sort of a mishmash of personalities, you're going to have some tension and some conflict. And of course, that ends up being the stories you tell for the rest of your life. But on day one, you guys are right into it. There's kind of some heated exchanges and look, you guys are all mellow guys. I don't think we were going to come to blows or anything like that, but you could definitely tell. I had a boxing match, you know, well, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually did come to blows and blood. Yes. Well, with, with protective gear on, right. Although it didn't, uh, it didn't protect as much, but we'll save that for people to watch. But what, uh, you know, dealing with some of the tensions when you have kind of a group like that, because like you said, even just out the gates going from 15 to eight, we've all been there. Hey, let's all go for this ride. And everyone's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And then it gets narrowed down. And usually it's the crazy ones that agree to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But how do you, what was dealing with that? Were you kind of surprised that early on that you saw conflict so fast or were you, were you expecting that? Oh, we fully expected that. I mean, okay. it's 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 a bunch of alpha dogs, you know. Like, there's very few guys in the club, and like you said, most people are chill and they are. But the, and nobody's going to be passive. Like, if you're feeling something and you're thinking something, you're going to say something. And uh, the good thing is about with a group of guys like this, and we've all been together so long, it does definitely feel much more like a real family for us. So it, we're able to have those types of squabbles and get over it. But my thing was from like a project management position and really just like any anybody who's ever been in any sort of leadership role or management role or boss role is like trying to play to the strengths of whoever you have on your team. Right. So, you know, right off the bat who the biggest wild cards are and who could potentially have some problems. Sure. So you just try to solve them as they come, or if you can do any sort of, uh, you know, road blocking before they could become a problem, you can, but we knew 
within one hour of leaving the beach in Florida for this trip that we were going to be having all kinds of interpersonal squabbles. And then you throw in 12 to 14 hour riding days and no sleep and, you know, rainstorms and the weather that just the things that normally wear on you after a long day's riding. The te- yeah, the tempers are going to be there and the, the fuses are going to be shorter. Yeah, and uh, I tell you, one of I, I'm still shaking my head at it as I watch the film, but problems that pop up. Uh, how do I put this mildly? Big Daddy shits his pants <laughs> yeah. at one point in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Now all the planning in the world uh, isn't gonna. It's like they had an extra you. scooter in the van, but they didn't have extra pair of pants for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he had a support truck with you, but I don't think anybody was quite ready for that kind of support. And Big Daddy, we we say this to everybody. We when we try to explain who Big Daddy is. Is he's the the biggest and most lovable, and I don't mean big in any other sense except that his invite his entire character, like everything about him, he does big. And we tell everybody, "Oh, this is Big Daddy," and we're like, "What did you say? Like, what are you calling another man Big Daddy for?" And I'm like, "Listen, <laughs> you don't have to call him Big Daddy, but you're gonna want to." And after watching the movie and seeing how he is, it's just an exaggerated version of every wild card of the friend you have put into one person. And so, yeah, Big Daddy shoot his pants. Like, what? Like, how can you? There, we couldn't have scripted it if we wanted to. No, I, I agree with that completely. And you're right; he comes across as a very big personality in the best in the best way. I can't yes. imagine. I can't imagine him being nicknamed anything other than Big Daddy no. after seeing yeah. the film. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, he's he's larger than life in every way, and we we love him to death. And if anything, at the end of this, he became one of the most endearing people in the world to all of us. Because we'll look back at the time there were some frustrations, and everybody had them. But it, we'll look back on it just like the fish that you caught was this big; it's now this big, right? The <laughs> yeah, problems aren't. Yeah, the problems and the stories get bigger, and your love for Big Daddy grows the same way. Well, one of the things that I thought was kind of cool that uh, you know, in in sort of that funky anywhere. It, it 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 seemed to be a very northwest vibe was the fact that and I don't know if this is a carryover from your guys's scooter club so, soldiers of destiny but you put animal skins on the helmet not actual skins but rubber sort of masks yeah that you stretch over is that just what's I guess is that reflective of anything I know that seems like a very deep question but I'm just curious if there's if guys stress over picking out sort of their spirit uh, animals, I know the answer. I know the answer to this. It's okay, how, let's hear it. It's down. how they scare away the guys on the DR three fifties. I'm a DR three fifty rider, Justin. So that's yeah, that's a that's a personal pot shot at <laughs> me. But that's but good. what is that? What was I can't remember your I guess quote unquote spirit animal. But yeah, what, yeah, we we call them our power animals. Okay, and it the story of that. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. When we all started riding together in like 2008-9, somewhere at the very beginning, a lot of the guys were still in college and uh, were living in Bellingham, Washington, and were commuting back and forth to school. And then there was a the gas there was the gas crisis era too, right? Like everything was so expensive. There's no way a college kid could afford to drive anything uh, very big, and so we used uh, the idea, or sorry, we used the excuse of scooters. And then a couple guys got them. They started getting funnier. Like the idea of riding them around town was getting funnier. And we were like, we should do something on our helmets. And we were thinking about doing afros or like mohawks or something. And we're like, no, let's wear red capes because there were kids getting hit by cars on scooters up there. And so we were like, we need to make ourselves visible. So we did the red capes thing. And then the capes were blowing in our faces. And then suddenly we were the problem. 
we were the ones that were going to run into things. Unintended consequences. Sure. Yeah. The way it goes. So we went to Archie McPhee's and we walked in my, uh, my buddy, Aaron, who uh, is not in the movie, unfortunately, but he's in the club. And we walked in together with our helmets on. So I don't know who or why or who went first, but we grabbed some latex masks and we started stretching them over the helmet. And once they fit, we were like, well, we have to buy them now. Like we can't do anything about this. Like we have, these are ours. <laughs> That's right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, pun intended. There, and right? he so, was the chicken. Yeah. That was the best part. <laughs> so yeah, once it, once that was a thing, we were, you know, we made it the, the barrier of entry was you have to a buy every single member of beer individually and share like a beer with them. So you can get an idea of what they're like, who they are, what they're about. And then they have to pick a power animal once they've gone through our initiation process. And, um, some of the initiation kind of happened in the movie too. And we'll probably get to that when it comes to haircuts, but there was really the, the only barrier of entry was get a stupid helmet because we'll find out who doesn't, who thinks they're trying to be cool and who doesn't take themselves seriously because you cannot take yourself seriously with that kind of helmet on. Right. Yeah. And that's uh that's a good, uh, you, you sort of teased it there a little bit, but the helmets and these sort of power animal skins are kind of a nice reflection. I think of your guys's collective sense of humor. And one thing that really makes the yeah. film are sort of these yeah. challenges along the way that have some humorous consequences for the viewers, but maybe not the person that is actually on the reciprocating end. So let's dive into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning, when we did the, the, the route, right, we're doing back roads, only back roads across America. And we thought, well, that's not going to be hard enough. So let's throw in one more wrench to this whole issue. We wrote up a bunch of challenges, threw them in a hat. One through eight riders, one through eight challenges, pull the number, pull the challenge. This is what you have to do. And you'll see it in the movie, but uh, there's, there's a few that didn't make it that were really good that we hope to save for maybe a sequel someday. So I don't want to spoil anything nice. there either. But we, uh, we had to have that just because we knew that this group really needed something else to look forward to besides just 12 hours a day in you know 40 miles an hour. And when we wrote up the, the challenges... We thought, well, these are going to be really funny. What happens if somebody doesn't complete or, or, or fails or forgets or any of these? And we're like, well, there's got to be something serious here to keep people on their toes and keep people honest. And so we threw around a couple different ideas of what that could be. There was one where someone had to wear like a big padlock chain around their neck for a whole day and just let that heavy like thing. They were like, <laughs> no, that's going to be difficult. We're riding right. 12 hours. So they were like, all right, let's just go really painful. You, you don't want to crash with that on either. Absolutely. We're, we, we tried to like filter this through the colander of somewhat, I don't want to say morality, but something to try to keep us into a, an area where we felt safe. And so we decided, all right, let's go harmless. You have to shave the top of your head, leave the rest of the hair. So it's just that bald cul-de-sac haircut, as we call it. And, or you can shave one eyebrow. And we chose those as the punishments for obvious reasons. They're visible. They're stupid. <laughs> they're pretty disarming when you walk into a bar and see three guys with their head shaved. Yeah. Especially for the most part, guys under the, under the age of 40 too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and then we, we Googled it and realized it takes six months to grow an eyebrow back. So that one got pushed down to the bottom of the list of funnels. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things. I almost think I'd rather have you shave both eyebrows than one eyebrow. Right. I don't know if that would have yep. been an option or not, but absolutely. I'm sure that probably would have ended up happening. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too, because you think about uh, the way that hair 
representation, I guess, in sort of modern culture has changed. And you think like, oh, like being bald and that kind of stuff. And it's not if it's natural. But to watch some of these guys get their heads shaved in this cul-de-sac pattern and you can see it goes from like, oh, yeah, this will be funny. And to like, oh, my God, this is my head. Like, what is this? It's it's pretty fun to watch. And after whoever failed their challenge got their head shaved the rule was they could no longer wear a hat the rest of the trip so when they took their helmets off they had to just own that bare head <laughs> well it's uh it certainly makes for uh schadenfreude type viewing those particular <laughs> sequences there but uh let's talk about uh, a little bit about some of the scenery though because you know going across the entire country particularly at 40 miles an hour Uh, What were some of the highlights? You know, we're very fortunate to live here in the Pacific Northwest. Obviously, we're a show dedicated to riding in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, from time to time, we we talk about it. Hey, we're we're pretty darn lucky out here for roads and vistas. But what are some of the other areas that stood out to you kind of crossing the country there? Uh, I'll start with the areas that did not stand out to us. Yeah, and let's there's, do that. there's a reason they call them the flyover states. We'll start there. There's no there's no real uh, curves, you know, it's just intersections, hard lefts, hard rights. And it there's a there's a probably three day section in the middle of the country that if I were to do it again, I would try to blast her a little quicker because it wasn't the most it wasn't it wasn't what we have here. And sure. we're very like you said, we're very spoiled. And but so for the real the highlight highlights, besides the obvious ones, the ones that you do see in the movie, like the tail of the dragon, the Carolinas are really twisty and beautiful. Yeah. Um, but my personal favorite of the entire trip was the high country in Wyoming. Cool. There was a, a I remember the exact highway. I want to say it was a 14A. It's an alternate highway that's closed in winters. And it goes up to like 10,000 feet, you know. It's sort of like uh, riding around up to the highest points of uh, Rainier. You know, it's really, really beautiful, huge cliffs. And we changed what felt like three different weather patterns from the bottom to the top. Hmm. And at the, top, at the top, there was still snow and ice. And we saw mountain goats and bald eagles and sheep. And then at the bottom, it was just red clay, 95 degree desert. So the high country of Wyoming was certainly up there for me. And also... Um, the South Dakota Badlands, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the Black, uh, Black Hills. Black Hills, yeah. Those are, that is a really, really beautiful area. And then for the closest one, we've talked about doing this a couple times, is Lolo Pass, if you haven't done that before. Unbelievable. When you see that curvy sign, you know, the road sign that says curves next 99 miles. Like, right. Oh, strap in. It's the real deal for sure, yeah. I think uh, those are definitely – definitely some highlights that uh, that stand out in the film and you mentioned the badlands too and that seemed to be one uh for the group anyway that kind of seemed to surprise everybody like yeah. just how kind of awe-inspiring it is and i know i haven't been out there in probably over a decade but seeing that again i was like oh yeah south dakota not quite in that flyover state at least the western half you know yeah. there's some some yep. sections that are are a little dull but yeah the badlands some- are great there's some treasures. We, I was not, I think the reason we were so surprised is when we put the maps together, I thought the route that we had was going to bypass most of that really gorgeous canyon looking stuff. So when we crested over the top of this hill, the film crew was already ahead of us and they were like, well, we got to stop here. This is gorgeous. Right. So they radioed to a, to a, one of the lead riders and said, Hey, pull over when you see the van. So we pulled over there and going back to Big Daddy, we're sitting down on this ledge looking over the most beautiful area that I've ever seen. For some reason, I thought I was just having one of those like, um, you know, I was having a moment and I'm like, I'm going to try to soak this in and remember it the best I can. I pulled out my little notebook from my vest and I'm like, just, I don't know why I've never done this in my life. I'm sketching a picture of what it looks like, you know? Yeah. And And Big Daddy's to my left and he just takes a big drag of cigarette and he's like 
man, this place. And I'm like, yeah, right. And he goes, what? It's just the most useless piece of land I've ever seen. I was like, what are you talking about? I thought you were going to say something deep about how beautiful it is. He's like, nah, can't do anything with this. Well, I guess beauty is in the, the eye of the beholder there, right? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. But who else would, uh, would say that on that crew yeah, than, than Big Daddy? That's exactly. kind of perfect timing, it seems there's, like. There's too many things in there that we couldn't have scripted. Uh, that, unfortunately, we didn't have that on camera, but it was just one of those Easter eggs that's in my head forever and a good memory from that place, and I'll always have it. But Badlands are absolutely, in my, I would say, top five uh, motorcycle road section of the country that I've, that I've ever been. For sure. Well, we're, uh, we're winding up on time here, Justin. So I want to ask you just another uh, quick question or two. And uh, I guess two things stood out to me. One is whether or not you guys were come from a motorcycle riding background, or I know you're obviously your scooter club, but did you guys have experience on, you know, larger motorcycles previously? Are you currently a motorcycle rider or what's kind of your background there? Yeah, a few of us do. I grew up in a little town in Montana. I grew up racing dirt bikes. So I started riding, uh, you know, YZ80s and, and, and moved my way up until I moved out to Seattle for college. But so I took about a year off, I would say, after after I got out of the dirt bike world. And the reason that we really started the scooter things was a twofold, right? We have, we're broke college kids. It's not like we can go out and f- afford anything that is going to be of reliable stance on a motorcycle world. Um, two, they're just really cheap to own in general. Sure. Uh, and I would say probably half of the guys have motorcycle experience. I own two other motorcycles on top of three scooters. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty much a Yamaha loyalist. So I have, uh, I've restored a 1980 X, uh, XS650. That's was my daily for a while. And then I got the SCR 950 a couple of years back, but at least half of the guys have motorcycle experience, but there's nothing as freeing and as easy. And it, it, after getting off of a motorcycle and getting on a scooter, it just feels like a bicycle. It's just a toy. So I think that's the, the best part about them is they just feel so, and not that they're any safer in, in the grand scheme of things, but they just feel so much more, um, accessible, controllable, accessible. Exactly. Right, yeah, sure. Well, that's great to hear, man. And we'll have to talk to you uh, on maybe another episode in the future about your, your restoration habits there on old yeah. Yamahas. But I want to tell people though, to go Amazon prime. If you're a subscriber right now, you can see the film, uh, in its slow ride home. And I'm sure that every time someone watches it, Amazon sends you a check for a thousand dollars. We want to encourage <laughs> yeah. people to do that time and time again. Yeah, we are rolling in money. That's right. But uh, Justin, thanks so much for joining us here. I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to ask you for one uh, kind of quick tip for people on when they have these ideas for epic trips, how to make that happen. What's your top tip for that? Uh, I'm going to two parts. Number one, commit just emotionally, mentally commit, write it down. You're doing it. Once you've accepted that the door is open. Number two, the debt you're going to go, you're probably going to go into some kind of debt for these types of things, right? They're expensive. It's not easy to do these types of huge rides. They're, they're, they're expensive, but you can dig yourself out of financial debt. The debt of regret is something you'll carry with you for the rest of your life. Great words to go out on. Justin Barnes, the uh, project manager for the film Slow Ride Home, which you can get on Amazon Prime right now. Thanks so much, man, for joining us on the Sound Rider Show. This was a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you being so flexible and awesome and supporting motorcycles, especially in the Pacific North. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then Derek and I will be back, I think, with some, I don't know. We We got some crazy stuff up our sleeve today.
Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in North Bend, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from, whether you're shopping for a used cruiser, sport tour, dual sport, adventure, dirt, sport bike, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Yeah, I'm Tex Steer from uh, Wenatchee, Washington. One of my favorite rides is uh, from the Columbia River up through the Klickitat Gorge to BZ Corner and on into Glenwood. Yippee Rip City. Hi there, this is Steve Stewart with Pacific Northwest Motorcycle Safety, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Back on the Soundwriter Show, I'm Tom, the publisher. I'm here with Derek, the global leader in <laughs> being a uh, self-appointed editor. Self-appointed at large. editor at yeah. large. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, Derek, we were talking in the beginning of the show about missing the rally in the gorge and, and not being able to have that time with all our friends and know that they could go out and ride and have some really great roads to ride on. But uh, we're still – I'm itching to do some more writing. I know you are too. Yep. So let's just talk about some of our favorite little places we like to go in the late summer, early fall around the Pacific Northwest. Well, I think that's a terrific idea, and I would actually like to start off to see if I could maybe grab a recommendation or two from you because I am – Coming through a well-worn copy of uh, Dual Sport Rides Through Western Washington, and we mentioned that earlier in the show briefly. But is there anything that stands out to you in Western Washington that you know September? September is a great time to ride anywhere in Western Washington, I guess. But is there anything that a guy looking for a nice dual sport ride? Is there anything you'd recommend? I'll give you a couple that aren't in the book. How's that? That's, I tell you, bonus content. We love that. Yeah. Uh, we talked earlier about the Kalakam Pass. Yep. So if you're up for having your bike shook up, uh, go go over Kalakam Pass from Ellensburg, have lunch in Wenatchee, and then there are alternative ways to come back. You can come over an area called Beehive, which is Forest Service 9716. I'm doing this off the top of my head. So. Sure. Uh, but that's a, that's a beautiful area. Uh, Mission Creek is down in there. That road, I believe, is back open again. It kind of washed out a while ago, but it's I believe it's been redone. Um, that's all lovely, lovely riding in there. Uh, another one is uh, Yakima Canyon. Uh, you know, we all know uh, that that uh, Interstate 84 uh, drops down on the east side of Yakima Canyon. You don't really ever right. see the canyon. And then there's the paved road that goes up through Yakima Canyon. 
But uh, actually off to the west of that paved road is a dirt road that will take you up from, uh, from Yakima up into Ellensburg. And it even has a little water crossing that you can enjoy. Uh, but you're, you're going through some really beautiful chaparral terrain. And uh, that's one, again, that not a lot of people talk about because they're so fixated on uh, things like the BDR. Yeah, well, there's, there's definitely a lot of great riding in that region. You know, I'm looking at one here, Slate Peak. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, I love Slate Peak. That's a good one to do. Except don't go up there if it's raining. Um, okay, and is that uh, just because muddy conditions or? <laughs> well, that road tends to wash out. So uh, to get to Slate Peak, you'll need to go to Mazama, outside of Winthrop. And then when you go to the top of Slate Peak, that is the highest point you can go to in the state of Washington with a vehicle. Oh, no kidding. I didn't realize that that was the case. Yeah. For, uh, oh, well, now yeah. that's, a, that's a bucket list ride right there. And the, the, you know, if it's a nice day, it's a beautiful ride. Uh, there's nothing too tricky about the road. Uh, but if it's a, if it's a rainy day, I would not go up there because I've seen the photographs of the bikes that get stuck and the, the ways the road washes out and people get trapped in areas where there's washouts and they can't get out. So I'd stay out of there. And, you know, at that time of year, September, October, uh, you need to look at your weather because you could have a storm come in. And uh, as long as you look ahead of time, you, you know, we, we got pretty good weather stuff now. So you can plan this stuff out and take a look at that weather in the morning to make sure you're going to have a nice ride. Yeah, I agree with you there. And at uh, the Slate Peak route, as uh, you have it illustrated here in the book, is 43 miles. So that's a, you know, that's a good, a good little afternoon. You park, you know, you camp overnight at the base maybe there, and then you head up and spend the day just kind of, tooling around in the area there and enjoy yourself and it sounds like if it's raining i should be prepared to take pictures so i can share my misery with both you and the the audience <laughs> you should bring some inflatable devices is what you should do <laughs> uh you know the view up there is is sensational because you're looking across the entire ridge line of the cascades out in front of you yeah you and, know we're so fortunate to uh to be out here in in washington and of course oregon and idaho are, are loaded with great roads and views too but Sometimes when you go back to, whether for me, you know, it's the Midwest or just visiting people in other parts of the country, you really got to count your blessings as a motorcyclist out here. So uh, let's do something for the road riders. Spin, yeah. the, spin the wheel. Where are we going? Well, that is a, uh, a great, great question. <laughs> I know one on my list this year, and I tried to do it last year but never got out there. I think you were able to, to do that and much more, though, which is Rattlesnake Grade. Uh, oh, yeah, the Rattlesnake Grade. That's a good one down there in uh, Oregon. That or yeah, it is Oregon. Well, well starting, from, from, starting from Oregon, and then it crosses the border, and the road right. name officially changes there. But that's – you know – July and August, you really want to try to avoid southeastern Washington. Exactly. Eastern exactly. Oregon. This way, if you get a flat tire, you probably won't have a bunch of snakes coming around. <laughs> yeah, no snakes and, uh, you know, try to minimize the the impact of, of heat stroke, certainly. Uh, so that's a good one, I think. Uh, I'm also, and I know that this isn't a revelatory to anybody, but I haven't made a loop around 
the Olympic Peninsula in a couple of years. So that's one that I, I'm really trying to get on the radar here too, just to spend a full day, maybe do an overnight once you hit to the western side there and do that. And that's definitely something you don't want to do in the summer because you got RVs, you know, chock-a-block. Yes. So uh, doing it in uh, in the late September, early October, you're going to have a really beautiful ride as long as you plan ahead on your weather and make sure, you know, just don't go if you don't want to ride in the rain and it's going to rain and don't, you know, scratch it. But but we do get some nice uh, spells of great weather during those times. And so I say go for it. You can do yeah. it. You could do it in a day. Or you could do it in two days, or you could do it in three days. And you, and the more time you take to do it, the more stuff you could sightsee. You could go and see the whole River Rainforest. Uh, you can sightsee all the areas around Port Angeles, Port Townsend, down in Aberdeen. There's all kinds of stuff to sightsee. You could ride your motorcycle on the beach out at Moclips. So uh, lots yeah. of options out there. Lots of fun to be had. And, you know, another thing that I really like, uh, another couple of sections, Highway 20 between Republic and the Columbia River, just on the other side of Kettle Falls there. And mm-hmm. then that section of Highway 20, again, on the east side of Kettle Falls, out to Tiger, is uh, kind of a cool spot. You know, everybody knows Highway 2 and sort of the western part of Highway 20, I think. But I like it up there, too. The roads are a little less populated. They're nice and twisty and turny in and out there. You don't quite have the same vistas as you might have in some of the other parts, but I do really enjoy the ride through there. Well, you're going to go through an area called Sherman Pass, and Sherman Pass has been burnt and burnt and burnt. And it's it's <laughs> what happens when we have all these forest fires that follow one another is eventually even the seedlings can't grow. And you wind up with all this barren terrain at 4,000 feet. And it's bizarre going through it. Um, The other thing to know about that area of Highway 20 between Republic and Kettle Falls is that's open-range country. So uh, if there's a cow on the road, it's not the farmer's fault that he's out there because it's open-range. Yeah, that's the cow's road until he says otherwise as far as the law is concerned anyway. If you're not riding like a crazy man, you're probably not going to hit that cow anyway. That, that's true. And I mean, let's hope that that's the case. I don't, it'd be interesting. I don't really hear those news reports too often coming out of there, maybe because it's just so sparsely populated. But it makes sense just to keep your head on a swivel for wildlife anyway. I have a brother who's a volunteer EMT out there. Oh, okay. And so he gets called out for motorcycle stuff now and then. So just so he probably has some stories to tell. Take it easy, enjoy the places you're going. You know, it's it's, it's interesting when I went out and pre-rode the the road trip. Uh, that was my first couple of long rides, and uh, you know, obviously a little apprehensive after what happened last summer. Sure. But it's it's not a big deal. You just you just keep it you know mellow, and you'll be all right. You, you can you go see all this stuff. It's all cool. It was hot though when I was out there riding, and I didn't have I didn't wear the cooling vest, but I went through uh, a liter of water between Ooh. Mazama and Darrington. So hydrate and make sure you're taking in some salt too, right? You got to balance those electrolytes when you're out there sweating it out. Yeah, and those uh, I think they're called ton. T-U-N or T-U-M. 
Uh, their new electrolyte on the well, they've been around, but they just redid all their electrolyte products. So okay. uh, I did test some of those, and they're quite good. It tastes well, good. I never got wonky in the head because I was getting the right electrolytes up there. Well, that's an important thing to do. And uh, now we have my September bucket list, which will almost certainly never happen, which includes Rattlesnake Raid, Sherman Pass, Clockham Pass, uh, the 101 uh, loop around the Olympic Peninsula, and for me too, also the aforementioned uh, WABDR. I would love to do all of those this September. But what about you? What are your, your goals and ambitions here now that you are relieved of sort of post-rally lethargy. I mean, this is your time to shine here, Tom. Get back on the bike and start exploring. <laughs> well, um, if I go out, it'll be road stuff. Uh, I won't do any dual sports this year because I don't really have a mount for that. Right. Uh, so, you know, the, the NX650 died when I hit the dog last summer. Uh, the NX250 was sold the other day. I'm not taking the SL350 out for a long ride. <laughs> So uh, it'll be a road trip, but I, I would like to get back down into the McMinnville area. I'd like to get down into the Kings Valley area, everything west of I-5 in Oregon. Uh, lots of nice little roads down there. Nobody on the roads. Oregon takes really good care of their roads. Yep. Uh, even 101 can be a lot of fun at that point in time. Not Certainly not right now, but... But uh, after you know a couple weekends after Labor Day, one hundred one is is uh, a nice ride. So yeah. yeah, somewhere in Western Oregon, I like to go ride. Let me ask you this: Do you know? Because I I know there's a few spots here in Washington, but are there any? Where are the places that you can ride on the beach in Oregon? Oh, there's uh, the dunes. Sure, which okay, are down yeah. south of uh, I believe the town is Florence. Um, if you get out the uh, benchmark map book, you'll be able to see what the what the uh, auto ability are. But I know that Oregon Dunes area down there is very popular for people on bikes and ATVs. And again, not going to be as many people out there. Or one way or the other, anyway, it'll be sparsely populated, or that's where everybody will go well, because maybe. they yeah they can't get into. <laughs> any of the the restaurants over 25 percent capacity or whatever it's at in our respective states here but i think you're right though florence yeah yeah and if you're looking for uh sand uh out in uh eastern oregon outside of burns there's quite a bit of sand area so this you know these are atv areas that you can ride your motorcycle on um so that's that's an option if you want to go out that way. You're not going to be near the beach, but you'll still be able to eat up a bunch of sand. Well, you know, with sand, everybody loves riding in that, right? So I don't. You gotta <laughs> you gotta find it where you can. <laughs> Good to practice, fun for small stretches. That's why I really like riding down in Washington here in Long Beach, where it's all hard packed. Uh huh. Um, that's a fun little stretch. You know, I know it's only a couple of miles, but that's a, that's a pretty good feeling when you're cruising along on your dual sport and watching the surf kick in and out. It's, uh, again, another great reason to be riding here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And I, I actually like camping when it's cooler. Even if I wake up in the morning and it's like 40 degrees, I don't care. It's better than sleeping hot. Yeah, exactly. I can, I can keep warm when it's cold out, but I can't do much when it's hot out. 
I know. And waking up sweaty in a sleeping bag. <laughs> Kind of wear a, just, an evaporative cooling vest when you're sleeping at night. That don't yeah, worry. that's right. Yeah, then you have <laughs> a, a couple other issues to deal with there. But yeah, I, this is the this is the best time, right? And now between and into early October, where you do get those cool mornings, but you fi- fire that jet boil up and you get some coffee or tea going, and you sit there and you look at your old 1996 carbureted motorcycle and you think, "God, this thing's never going to start." So you roll it out into the sun and you just wait. I got the I got the Carrig one cup maker. Oh, is that uh, is that well? What are you running that off? Is that well? Yeah, then yet? I got the then I got the uh, transformer that takes a twelve volt from the bike and turns it into one twenty. Okay. And then I and I hook it up to that and I make my Carrig coffee with you know with my own ground beans and everything. It's so good. And then I get ready to start the bike and it's like uh, I have nothing left. Yeah. I'm not going to start now. <laughs> well, those are the sacrifices you make as the global leader in post motorcycle camping coffee. Yeah, I'm the global to... leader in gourmet coffee on a motorcycle ride. Somebody had to do it. I look forward to seeing that press release in the next Sound Rider <laughs> newsletter. Uh, any any place else you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think. Where on the, you know, because I'm, I'm thinking, obviously, my brain is in rally in the gorge mode here. But where sort of on that eastern side of Mount Hood, you know, if someone's going to go down and cross the Columbia River Gorge, or if you live in Oregon and you're just going to kind of head east side of the Cascades there a little bit, anything that stands out to you there that would be worth worth tackling yeah you could go down and get yourself a hotel room or a camping site in uh, john day oregon sure and you could basically run a loop every day out of john day for four or five days and never really ride the the same roads twice just kind of do like a clover uh, you know, you head north and then go to the east. You can head south and go to the east. You can head south and go to the west. You can head north and go to the west. And, and it's just, it, 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 it's endless. And they're just farm roads. I mean, they're all state highways, but there's nobody on them except maybe, you know, it is, it is uh, harvest season, so you will see some, some uh, farm machinery out there. But, uh, man, it's, it's a gorgeous area down there. It certainly is, I and mean, that's why I think one of the many reasons why Bend has quietly become a sort of regional motorcycle hub. I mean, that's just in the backyard there, really. Yeah, yeah, and we have a book about that called um, what do we call it? Soundwriter Guide to Motorcycle Rides in Central and Eastern Oregon, and all that is covered in that book. Store.soundwriter.com, and you too can take part in the fun. Woo! <laughs> well, I don't know. I tell you, I think uh, we gave listeners a lot. Obviously, we covered some pretty popular routes for, for people to come to, but I think there's some nuggets in there. I think that people are going to be able to get a lot out. So Yeah, there might, be, there might be one or two listeners who actually had to flip that piece of paper over that they started with at the beginning of the show and start writing on the back of it. Yeah, that's right. They started at the beginning of the show writing an angry letter to us, and we turned them here in this segment by giving them <laughs> giving them a few rides to choose from. But, hey, if you see an old beat-up uh, DR350, royal, purple, and gold, you go ahead and give them a wave, too, because yeah. they'll be waving back. Make sure you put a sand flag on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a little break, and when we come back, 
Oh, Lord knows what's going to happen. We'll figure it out. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by The Soundwriter Store. Right now is as good a time as any to snuggle up with a good book, and we've got just the title for you. Fraser Shrugged is the latest book from world-renowned adventure motorcyclist Dr. Gregory Fraser. Inside, you'll find a collection of columns written over the last four decades highlighting his six navigations around the globe. From Thailand to India, South America to the Arctic Circle, you'll find all that and more. Purchase Fraser Shrugged online now at the Soundwriter Store. Hi, my name is Nicholas Furtado. I'm a racer with the WMRC. I'm from Burnaby, BC. And uh, my favorite track to race at right now would be the Ridge. Uh, just because it is a flowy track, um, it's got long straightaways and tight corners with some um, long sweepers. This is Ryan Hemans with Parts Unlimited, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. just a couple minutes here connie's gonna walk through the door with dinner so uh time to wrap up the show yeah we got to get on to more important things but uh you know we we never end the show without giving you a few more tips and tricks so uh, i'm gonna let you go first this time yeah well let me dive right into it because if you're going to be out riding some of this great scenery here in the pacific northwest with all these great vistas and all these great backdrops, and you might be taking pictures with your cell phone, and of course you want to take some of yourself so that you can post it on Instagram and Facebook. And I know those are always to mixed reviews, but my tip is just to let you know that if you go on Amazon, you can buy a couple of Bluetooth remotes. And I think uh, I got two for $10, and they pair to your phone, and you can set your phone up on a tripod, and you can just trigger that camera. So maybe you can take some decent pictures of yourself. You'll be out there all alone modeling for no one but the animals. But uh, you use this little Bluetooth remote, and you can just trigger that, trigger that. And you got all that space on your phone. So you take 100 pictures, and maybe you can walk away with a couple of good ones. So keep that in mind. Ten bucks for a Bluetooth remote on Amazon. That's my tip and trick. I want to see better pictures from people out there. That's a good tip. I'm going to add to it. All right. Um, you know, I had bought a selfie stick one time. Okay. And it had the Bluetooth in it, but um, and it was rechargeable. Well, the rechargeable battery failed, and there was no way to replace it. So when you buy these remote devices, get the kind that have the little, you know, CR2035 or 2025 battery in there. So you can replace that when it fails. Don't get the rechargeable ones because there's no guarantee how long those batteries are going to last. That's a great point, particularly when you talk about motorcycle travel. And we talked about some of the heat in eastern Oregon. I've had a few rechargeable batteries swell up on me when they sit in the pan air for a day. Yeah, and then they blow up, and then your pan air blows off the bike. And, (laughs) man, all because of a little tiny battery that fits in your hearing aid. 
Yeah, you got some serious <laughs> issues there. So that is a good tip. And that's these remotes that I have here in my hand. Uh, they do have the replaceable sort of, oh, it's good. kind of a bigger, bigger version of a watch battery. And of course, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can always just get a new one shipped to you too. So. Send the uh, link over to me and I'll put it up on the Facebook page for everybody. Yeah. There we go. I'll, I'll track that down right after the show. Here. And then when you do your little uh, junket, in September or October, we want you to send us some of your pictures so you can show them how it's done. Yeah, let people know that, uh, you know, I'm more than just a pretty face here at uh, Soundwriter. That's uh, right. That's <laughs> I'm right. a rugged You're pretty, pretty gear and pretty boots. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So All what right. else? Did you, did you have a separate tip on uh, other than the piggyback there? You got something else for us, right? I do. Yeah. Let's hear it. Um, so uh, we talked earlier, I recently sold a motorcycle, and uh, in my garage, which is an indoor garage, I nonetheless keep all the bikes covered anyways. And I can tell you how that paid off. This guy said he wanted to buy the bike, and all I had to do was go down and pull the cover off and give it a really quick wipe down, but not have all that dust sitting around inside the handlebar apparatus and you know, I didn't have to do a deep clean on it to get it ready for the guy, and that was pretty nice. So, um, you know, if you want to, you want to save yourself hours of cleaning, go ahead and put a cover on your bike, even if it's stored indoors. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing what a little preventative. I don't even know if you call that maintenance, but a preventative step with the the effort it can save you in the end. Yep. So all right. that's a great tip. I mean, look at this. You got a clean motorcycle. You're riding all over the Pacific Northwest. You're taking your selfies with your Bluetooth remote. You're eating cinnamon rolls. Like, I mean, come on. Like, this is oh, paradise. Oh, man. What, I'll tell what, you. What, more, what more could you want? Who wouldn't want to be a motorcyclist in the Pacific Northwest right now? Well, I can tell you that I am glad that I am one, and I am glad that uh, we have so many listeners here on the Sound Rider Show. All right. Well, hey, lots of good reasons to ride in September, and uh, Derek and I'll go ride somewhere. Well, I know I'm going to ride the road trip tour, um, and we will meet you all back here the 1st of October. Until then, ride safe, ride well, ride often. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.